All right, we have a lot to get to this week on the Final Score Podcast. Welcome in, everyone. Uh, girls flag football is underway as a varsity sport in Frederick County, uh, first of its kind in Maryland. Uh, week one of the traditional uh, high school football season is here. And on this week's episode, we'll talk to uh, Kurt Stein, uh, who might have the best team in the county this year with uh, his Oakdale Bears uh, returning 3A state uh, runner-ups. Uh, bringing a lot of their team back from last year, including all of their key players, uh, namely quarterback Evan Austin, uh, defensive end, tight end, Dom Nichols, and wide receiver, defensive back, uh, Hunter Thompson. So we'll talk to Kurt about their big season of expectations. But uh, but first, uh, we should have a pretty big uh, opening segment here with my colleagues here at the FNP, uh, Alexander Dacey, and we welcome back to the program John Cannon. John, it's been a while since we... Since we've seen you in here, so uh, yeah, I got my summers off. It's in my contract. Yeah, uh, that's what I thought. We're, we're gonna have to re- re- renegotiate that contract because <laughs> now we're in now we're in season. Mm-hmm. So uh, so we're we're expecting more of you uh, now, John. Mm-hmm. So but but welcome back to the program and uh, guys. Uh, we're recording this after day one of the uh, historic uh, first day of high school girls flag football as a uh, varsity sport. Uh, what were your general takeaways as we had five games at Frederick High School? Uh, well, first, let me run down the scores because that, that's sort of fun <laughs> and interesting in itself. Uh, f- early games were Tuscarora 25 nothing over Brunswick, TJ 38 nothing over Catoctin. Uh, kind of expected uh, given how small uh, um, the Brunswick and Catoctin teams are. I mean, through no fault of their own, they're, they're just a small school and don't have as many kids to pick from. So... Tuscarora and TJ opened with the first two games. Uh, then the second wave of games was Urbana, who has been doing this the longest and could be the best team in the county. They beat Middletown um, twenty to nothing, and uh, Ligonor uh, uh, rolled over Walkersville uh, fifty to twelve. And then we come to the nightcap of the evening, uh, which was the host uh, Frederick against Oakdale, uh, who had won a tournament uh, over the summer. Uh, should be one of our best teams too. And the final score of that game was one to nothing. So uh, a defensive battle, a baseball and soccer slugfest. Uh, but Frederick prevails on the second play of overtime, its first play, uh, because the overtime rules are kind of quirky. And they beat Oakdale one to nothing. So we have twenty-five nothing, thirty-eight nothing, twenty to nothing, fifty to twelve, and one nothing. That sums up our first day of uh, high school girls flag football. Your takeaways, Mr. Dacey. Uh, all over the place. No, it was it was actually a really fun and uh and good day. And you know, it, it was good to finally sort of see it in action. You know, we've been talking about it for months and months. And I mean, I, I guess technically years really here. You know, from when we first you know kind of found out about you know Urbana the, that Urbana team a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, to to finally just sort of see the product, see what the sort of game plan was and kind of how teams were going to approach it. You know, very exciting. And again, kind of the, um, I want to say, I guess almost the intensity sort of ramped up throughout the day, right? Because you sort of, you know, you, you had those first two games and then uh, I, I, I guess, you know, the the middle two games were, were still weren't, you know, I guess they, they were still a little lopsided, but not as much or, or there was a little more action. And then, you know, the the real defensive grinder <laughs> of the, of that Frederick oh, weird finish of that Frederick Oakdale game. So yeah, pretty much everything you could have wanted. Um, you know, great crowd at great crowd at Frederick Ravens, uh, sent out some of their uh, some of their people who'd been working on the flag stuff for a while. Yeah, they, they, um, they did it up. They had the big uh, tunnel hmm. that, the, that the teams got to run out of. They they had a little firework uh, shoot-off as the teams uh, ran out. When, when I turned and saw the fire marshal, I was like, what is this guy doing here? But then, of course, I, I see that. I'm like, just I, in I, case. Guess, I guess they know what they're doing. So uh, Just in case something bad were to happen, uh, he had to be there. But, um, yeah, they did the fireworks display, cheerleaders. Uh, Poe was uh, in the house uh, uh poe the mascot was you know how there. i feel about mascots uh, <laughs> really high on my list uh right uh, john you were you were uh, capturing it all with you with your camera mm-hmm. so what, what were your takeaways 
I, I, I was, it was exciting. Um, like in my game, I mean, there was a, a girl, uh, the quarterback for Linganore. I mean, I'm, she's running with the ball. Some girl's coming up to get her flag, and she does a spin move around her and totally evades her and goes into the end zone. I'm like, wow, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty awesome. Um, and uh, there were some really fast girls out there. I mean, athletes. We have athletes in the county. Like another girl for Linganore runs track, and I mean, that kind of speed really is. It's 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 good in regular football, but especially flag. It it's something. It's a huge weapon. That, that's that's that was one of the, I think the big things I noticed is that the teams that have athletes like they don't have to necessarily be the best football players but just have the athletes um, like 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 a Frederick like in I mean I, Urbana Urbana again is just kind of good all around but you know like in Urbana like a Linganore you know they Tus- Tuscarora has some good athletes Tuscarora yeah. too you know like like those are the teams that I feel like might be set up best for success because you can kind of just plug and play, you know, kind of plug and play those people. And, and again, like a lot of them are, you know, kind of track athletes who, who have speed and who, you know, you can, you can work with on, on, you know, pulling the flag or, you know, if you catch the ball, then you can, you can just use your, use your wheels to get past somebody. So that's, I think where, that's, I think where the teams are going to really separate themselves is the ones that have just that sort of volume of, strong athletes you know football football skills or otherwise like you you can teach that so because like Linganore, and i think this might yeah. be the case with uh, some a lot of these teams aside from your urbanos uh like they had a cut, few girls that played had mm-hmm. played in the past for many years and then a bunch of other others that were just new to the game and i think you're going to see that with a lot of teams and uh walkersville i think was the same type of thing their quarterback threw some of the best passes i saw in the day really nice long spirals with a nice touch on it i'm sorry i'm bad with names right now i should know her name but um, uh, but you know, we saw in other teams didn't have that type of quarterback. <laughs> we won't mention, you know. But uh, you know, see, so you, you have a couple, you know, experienced players, but then they're surrounded by a bunch of novices, and it'll be interesting to see how that mix plays out through through the course of the season. Uh, my my sort of big takeaway was it's hard not to see this taking off. I mean, and it's hard not to see this catching on elsewhere around the state, especially when you have the muscle of the Ravens and Under Armour behind this. Like I, I think this is just only going to become more popular as people see more of this. I think more girls are going to want to play because it looks like a fun, exciting game, um, and it's it's hard not to see this being a state championship sport. I, I'd say within five years, uh, I, I would say I, I think it could happen that quickly. Um, the athletes piece, I, I think, is a very good point because a team like Frederick, uh, who who won their one nothing uh, game. They're a bit of a work in progress offensively. They're they're not a great offensive team right now. They could get better over the course of the season, but they're, but they're not great. But they drilled extensively in the preseason on taking flags, on ripping flags off, uh, and and they have a lot of track athletes. You guys talked about the track athletes on that that play defense for them. So they're fast and they know how to take. They know how to rip flags off. So. As they showed today against Oakdale, who is a pretty credible team and should be one of our better teams, I mean, they're, they're going to be tough to score on. And I would be fascinated to see him play in Urbana and, and how well Urbana, who's been, again, doing this the longest and is sort of the, probably the most well-oiled machine of all our teams. I'd be interested to see Frederick, or I mean, excuse me, Urbana take on that Frederick defense because I think Frederick is really going to be in this thing uh, with their defense. Um, so I, I just thought it was an exciting day. It was, it was cool that they did it all in one location. It wasn't five separate locations. It, yeah. it, it sort of gave the gave it a big event feel, um, and, and and you got some great picture opportunities with with all the girls being there. And, and uh, Frederick Frederick High was a good central location, I think. So I I, I just thought it was a a, a really great start for um, for FCPS and, and girls flag football. Agreed, and and like, kind of like you said earlier, I, I I'd be stunned if this doesn't just shoot into the stratosphere, at least in the state, you know, in terms of popularity and other counties following suit. Like I know when I was at the you know Ravens event a couple weeks ago, there were already other you know county you know kind of county administrators, like athletic administrators, watching there. I think there was at least one or two I saw the others I saw there today. Like it, it it's it's gonna it's gonna go, and I think it's you know it's gonna be really 
really good for it. And, and with the Me yeah. Too movement and, yeah. and all sorts of organizations uh, and companies looking to give females and women more opportunities, I mean, this is this is an easy one and a great and a great way to do that. So it's hard not to see this uh, taking off because football is a lot of fun to play. I mean, and it's mostly been played mm-hmm. by men over the years. But but now this will uh, give girls uh, a, a, a chance to experience it, and, and I think uh, it, it'll become a pretty big uh, sport. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm already already looking forward to next Wednesday, sort of. And and again, it's it's well timed on the calendar because Wednesdays are a slow day in the fall. So so to have these games on Wednesday, it, it sort of gives. Uh, that day a bit bit more of a boost on the local sports calendar. So there's a big crowd there. I mean, we were we were turning around. I think we identified a group we thought were like Frederick football players or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Were out there, kind of kind of seeing what it was all about. It was a really neat night. Yeah, today, uh, and the, the the Frederick High football team was there. I, I saw mm-hmm. Coach Pat Cadden there. Uh, he mm-hmm. had a lot of his guys there, and there was a big celebration after Frederick won, uh, won their game. It was a one nothing game. So. It's just sort of weird. Like when you look back in the history books and and, and you see one nothing, I mean, you know, people, <laughs> people are gonna say, "Well, what happened there?" Because you have all these other scores that are like fifty-two mm-hmm. to twelve or fifty to twelve and twenty. And Walkersville was the only losing team that that it, it, it scored a point. Every everyone else was shut out uh, in, in their losses. So. I mean, so, I was happy a few years ago. I almost got to see a 2 nothing game at St. John's in regular football, and it got blown right. like, late in the game. And that would have been, like, so cool to see. Two, it was, I think it was, like, 9 nothing is how it turned out. They get a touchdown near the end or whatever like that. Yeah, I mean, maybe a little inside baseball here, but how would you feel covering it, and what do you, what do you think the spectator experience was like? Because it, it is a bit of a funky game with, with the rules. There's no kicking at all. Um, the, the yard lines could vary because they're, they're not – necessarily true yard lines because it's a hundred yard field is shortened into an 80 yard field so um so the spotting of the ball is different they don't have first down markers the first down varies alexander because it's mm-hmm. what 30 yards for the first first down and then 20 yards thereafter or? no so it's it's basically the way the way the field is split up is that you can get um i guess it's three first downs and then your last one is is like is like is like you know the end zone goal to go so it's basically they, they're splitting the field into sort of four 20 yard chunks but because that first like when, when when a team starts you know with possession like fresh like it like like they they turn out they like they get the ball or start that start a half or like after a score or turnover or whatever um, they start on what is essentially the 14 yard line, so they only have to they only have to go six yards to get the first first down, and then it's like the 20 yard chunks or however long it is, you know, to there after that. So that was, I think, the thing that tripped me up the most when I was first watching it was like again because, like you said, there was no um, they painted lines on the field, but like there was no sort of there was there was like a like a a down marker. They, but they there need wasn't a, a they need a first down marker. Yeah, they, after, yeah, uh, to make no. it easier for fans and people I, I, watching. I heard and I, I covered the uh, Lingenar Walkersville game. So what I'm, I'm talking about here didn't involve that game, but I heard somebody talking about uh, one of the teams and their their coaches did not realize what a first down was, and, it, and as the game was going on, yeah, they were confused by it. I, it wasn't Lingenar Walkersville. I'm not going to say what team it was, but but I, right. I, I, it's understandable. Too. Yeah, they, they need yeah. a first down marker because it, it yeah. is confusing. Like the first first down is six yards, and then you need. Well, the way you just explained yeah, like it, twenty basically, yeah, right, yeah, yeah uh, to get the next first down. So they need. There's a couple tweaks they can make, and 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 they will. I mean, this is mm-hmm. this is day one of of this brand new huge experiment. So changes will be made, and I'm I'm sure it, things will get better over time. But they definitely need a, a down marker, and. Uh, Watching the Frederick game, it was unclear if there was even overtime. I mean, was this thing going to end in a scoreless tie, or was there going to be overtime? And then the overtime is a little bit funky because you have like three different options. You can go for a one-point play from the three-yard line, essentially, a two-point play from the 10, and a three-point play from the 20. And each team gets one play, and and the thing continues until – uh, you have a winner, and and it only took two plays for this overtime to be decided. But there could be some that stretch on, and and coaches will have to make decisions and stuff. And even like going for the first down or punting, I mean that 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 was a bit of a choice that some coaches had to make uh, in, in the game. So yeah, I don't I, think they punt from what I saw. So if they decide not to go for it, they just. Uh, it ends up on the, the other team ends up going over to what right. they're fourteen. They're, 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 they're four, fourteen. It, it goes back yeah. to their it goes back goes back to the fourteen yard line. So they, so there's like a starting line and a finish line for each possession. Mm-hmm. 
and if you punt, you, you basically go back to the starting line. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, the spectators were probably trying to figure things out just like we were. Mm. How, how did you guys feel covering it? I, I think it really helped. I, I got, I think, well, we all got there for the for the first round of games. Like, we all got there early, and I think that just really helped me watching. Because, again, my game was in the second, the second batch of games. So it really helped me just sort of seeing it once and then sort of picking up. And, again, you know, we were, we were down on the sideline for that game, so we were able to – um, we, we were able to sort of, you know, hear what, hear what the refs were saying, hear what the coaches were saying, the players kind of just picking, picking it up. So I, I don't think it's, it's not like, like the, the sort of rule, I guess, differences aren't terribly hard to pick up once you get them. It's just like, if, if you've, if you've never seen it before, you, it, it will take a little bit to sort of adjust sort of what you're your knowledge of of how football works if that makes yeah, sense and, or and it, like the like the more logistical side of how football works because in terms of the actual gameplay like the actual gameplay is like basically the same right uh, or very similar and but, we were talking about this here how do you guys feel about the running clock to me it sort of seems like it cheapens the game a bit it, it, yeah. it's almost like the feeling like well, let's get this thing over with because the clock runs throughout the game except for the final minute when finally timeouts and complete mm. passes i mean you could i guess yeah. you could take a timeout whenever but but still, like out of bounds plays and incompletions don't stop the clock until that that one minute warning uh, hits. So h- how do you feel about the running clock? Yeah, I'm not a I, I, definitely on that sort of end of it. I remember even when we first found out that about that, I was kind of like, that's a little weird that it's it's, it's running the entire time and not you know. And it's only a twenty minute half. Right now, I guess on the flip side, you can say. Oh hey, these games, you know, these games like like the game moves fast. They're, they're, they're designed to move. They're designed to move. It, fast. Yeah, it's encouraged to move. Encourages it to move fast. Encourages it to be like you know, kind of entertaining and high action all the time, which is good. And to sort of get in and you know, and, and again, you get in and out fairly fast, about what probably fifty minutes to an hour. But yeah, it is a little weird that like they 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 don't stop it, um, especially when like in you know like tackle football you do stop it if there's like like an incompletion or you go out of bounds or score draw you know what whatever so you don't have the traditional clock stoppage until really the final minute so maybe maybe that will be tweaked over time Mm -hmm. again people will catch on to this we'll catch on to this uh i mean we're we're on we're on literally on day one so we're we're not even what like four probably what four hours removed from the final game wrapping up or something that maybe not even right yeah so so well so this will this stuff will become more commonplace it'll be easier to understand as as we watch more of it and experience more spectators and and media too and and it'll it'll become commonly understood so all right, so a great first day for girls' flag football. Guys, let's run down, because uh, we're in week one of the regular football season, too. I just wanted to run down every team and just hit a couple of high points for each team. We'll do it in alphabetical order. Uh, we'll start with Brunswick. Uh, Brunswick, uh, they're going to be pretty good. State semifinalists last year, three-year starter at quarterback, who's not even a senior yet. Uh, a lot of returning players, big, big along the offensive lines. I, I, I think Brunswick's going to be a pretty formidable team in one A. Catoctin uh, Alexander, uh, you saw them. Yeah, they they're kind of in an interesting spot because they they have a somewhat difficult schedule. Like I, I was going over it, I think with with John last week, and I was like, there's no game on their schedule that's like an obvious win for them. Like, it, like, like, like there's a couple where, you know, where, where they're just playing better teams straight up. And then there's others where they're kind of coin flips. So even if this team might be a little more cohesive, may have a couple better athletes and be, a, I guess, better overall. I don't know if the record is going to reflect it just because again, there's that the, there's no, there's no obvious wins on that, on that schedule. Like they're going to have to sort of grind it out every game. And again, they're used to doing that. I mean, that's kind of how Catoctin plays. And I mean, really, you know, we, we even saw like kind of down the stretch last year, they, they like all, pretty much almost should have beaten Middletown that one game, John, that you were at. Carson Smith didn't play that. I mean, yeah. not to take it right. away yeah, from yeah, Catoctin, yeah. but um, yeah, and they played their butts off that game for sure. Yeah. And then, and then the, the, the back to backs against Brunswick, they were, they were close in both. They were like within a couple points in both of those. So they've, they can hang with those teams. I think the question is, can they win some of those toss up games? 
maybe possibly pick off a um you know a team that's a little bit better we'll have to see um I think the real litmus is honestly this first game they're playing Boonesboro and that's 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 one of I think the toss-ups so that'll kind of set the tone if they if they can beat Boonesboro they they might they'll probably improve on their their um their their uh, win loss their record from last year but if not uh, we'll have to see we'll have to see <laughs> we'll have to see yep uh, John uh, Frederick High, uh, mm-hmm. the dream season that wasn't last year, mm-hmm. uh, first unbeaten regular season since '68, but they fell short in the playoffs. Uh, n- a new coach this year. Uh, what what are they expecting? Uh, well, I mean, they returned Tay Anderson, who's uh, one of the b- best players in the county uh, as a running back, and he's act- packed on about 15 pounds compared to last year, and he has actually gained some speed, so he's going to be a-, a handful, and he's. But he's not the only returnee. They have Davian Pryor back as one of the top receivers in the county, uh, some linemen back. Uh, but the big thing is, last year, what were we talking about when Frederick got upset? The schedule that they had, the regular season schedule, and how it just was not challenging. And that is something that uh, they have looked to correct this year. And they, uh, they, uh, they schedule right off the bat. They play like uh, Middletown, Mountain Ridge, who won a state title. Um, they have Oakdale, Oakdale in week three, Urbana, right? Yeah. yeah, they've got just Ur- uh, Urbana's back on the schedule. Yeah, yeah. I mean, their their schedule has been uh, drastically <laughs> upgraded. Uh, you know, with that in mind, uh, trying to get them prepared so when they because it get, doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. They exactly. could lose, they could lose, they could be zero and nine and win a state title. I mean, in mm-hmm. in, in, in theory, of so. course, and they're also in that four A three A, correct? So that's yeah. a little bit. They, of a, they move classifications, right? Yeah, right, right. So so they're out of Oakdale's uh, region and they're out of Damascus's region. Um, so tough that, 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 that it's a tough schedule, and, and the, the region might be a bit more favorable for them. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I could see them going very far this year. Uh, Ligonor Alexander coming off a rare losing season. Yeah, they uh, it, it, it was the first time, and it was the first time in about a decade that they had a losing season. Then I was sort of combing through our. our a little uh, index card archives that we have in the in the back corner of the of the newsroom. It was only there, I think, third or fourth losing season since like the late seventies. So yeah, very rare territory for them. And they all, you know, they they basically just like never really gelled as a team. Like they had flashes, but it it just never really happened last year. Um, the good news is that most of their big impact players were juniors, so that they're back this year, and they all kind of. Uh, sense the urgency, I guess, if you will, of, you know, of like, hey, Lingonor football's got this such a high standard, like we're basically, you know, like, like, like a standard of like, we want to make we're we make state championship games every year or almost every year. And the fact they went five and six last year, you know, is not it's five and six isn't even a horrible record. But like, for Lingonor, that's like, you know, you know, the sky's falling. That's, that's, like, that's like disaster. So, so they they kind of all just locked in. And they one of the players even told me they didn't even really like have a traditional offseason because they just kind of like, Couple days after they lost to Damascus, I just kind of got right back at it and kept going. And they they all feel I think more confident. They all kind of have the sort of in the back of their minds like, hey, let's not let that happen again. Yeah, they're off season during the regular season, right? And and the thing and the thing is like again, they're talented enough. I mean, Christian Petrozell, he's a he's a Bucknell commit. He's got a huge arm. You know, the the sort of challenge was like honing that down and decision-making. And he's definitely, you know, seems to have improved in that regard. Uh, Ethan Arneson could challenge, you know, the county, uh, the, the county's all-time uh, rushing records this year. So, and then and then they've got, you know, a lot of their offensive line returning. Uh, Mikey Ayers is back after an injury. Eric Lowe is back, a first-teamer. So, you know, they, and then, and then again, defense, you know, they're going to be priced out as usual. So, yeah, they are probably gonna rebound i'd be very stunned like like they've not again they've not had consecutive losing seasons since the 70s so they'll probably be back to at least close to what they were before last year but i guess the question is you know can they can they sustain that and can they really get back over the sort of bump they created for themselves uh middletown they're always good but uh they're gonna have to find some some pieces this year and not that they don't have them but but they're unproven players because they lost carson smith who was like 80 percent of their uh offense uh last year uh they lost their quarterback uh, cam baker uh lost some of their good defensive players they have some good players back but uh uh middletown has some question marks this year yeah, yeah, they do. Uh, they, uh, well, last year they just ran, uh, ran, ran, and ran, and I don't think you're going to see that this year. Um, 
Yeah, you know, I don't think they're going to have a single back uh, take a place of Carson Smith. And you're probably going to see them throw the ball a little bit more. And, and uh, while they did not name a starting quarterback during the preseason, um, the uh, Britton Poffenbarger, uh, who's an underclassman, and Reese Poffenbarger's little brother. And, and Saylor's younger brother, right. Yeah, he's probably going to end up starting. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I think I looked for them to pass a little bit more. Um, you know, not so much as much as they did when Reese was a senior, but I think you're going to see a little bit more of a, a downfield offense a little bit compared to last year. Oakdale, we won't uh, touch much on because they're going to be good. Most of their team back, uh, uh, gunning for that state title. They didn't win uh, last year. Uh, one win short, and we're going to talk to Coach uh, Stein in a couple minutes here. Um, uh, Tuscarora, uh, uh, new coach uh, with Ryan Hines. Uh, first coach uh, to coach in the county at three different schools, to be the head coach at three different schools, previously at Walkersville. And he was at Urbana, uh, spent uh, roughly a decade in administration at Urbana, and now uh, gets back to his passion, which is coaching. And, and look, it's going to be a tall order. Uh, Tuscarora, they're going to get better uh, pretty quickly, I, I think, under Coach Hines. And, and he has a good coaching staff, a good experienced coaching staff, but they might be a year or two away still coming off their winless season last year. So, so we'll see how much better – Tuscarora can uh, improve uh, this year. Uh, TJ John has a new coach, mm-hmm. Bo, new Bo coach. Traber. Right, right. And they they returned their starting quarterback from last year, A.J. Allen. Um, uh, they say they're going to pass a little bit more this year. They, they passed last year, but um, they uh, they say they, they've changed their offense around a little bit more and they're going to spread it out. We'll, we'll see about that. Um, they, uh, they're going to have some challenges this year, I guess is the way to say it. But this new coach sounds like he's, he's got some good ideas. And, again, you're probably going to need a couple years, you know, to really, really uh, get to the where see what they can do. But, but then yeah, we'll see what happens this year. Uh, Urbana uh, has to replace uh, much of their offense, Mr. Dacey. Yeah, they uh, nine of their 11 starters graduated, and as did seven on the defensive end. And they have a new head coach in Dean Swink. So it's basically, it's, you know, for, for as good as they were last year, it's really just what do we, you know, what do you do with all these new faces in these new places? And they have the talent, and the coaching staff is, you know, is is top quality. It's just... You know, can they in the first year of sort of this trans, almost like a transition year? Like you know, for for mo- for mo- it's it's weird because for most schools, if you're losing you know eighty five to ninety percent of your starters and have a new head coach, you're just gonna kind of scrap the year and be like, yeah, this year is gonna suck. We'll you know we'll 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 pick it up. We'll pick it up next year because we're just sort of transitioning things. But they they're ready to hit the ground running and they really do. They really do have the talent to sort of keep it going. It's just it's a little more inexperienced. So it's like can the talent and the coaching overcome that sort of lack of game experience and how quickly can they sort of mesh and and sort of play up to the you know, play up to the sort of uh, you know, the level they were at last year or maybe even better. Um again, you know, they, they they do have Frederick on the schedule now, so we'll you know, you know, when they're playing them, they're playing Oakdale, Linganor. Um, all them, we'll we'll kind of see how it goes. They but play Baloo out of uh, DC. They play Baloo and they play uh, Middletown, but not Middletown, they, Delaware. They play, they play Middletown. They also play Middletown, Maryland, but they they uh, <laughs> they play Middletown, Delaware to open the season. So uh, we'll have to see what a, what a, what a team coming uh coming over from that part of the that part of the uh, country. I, I wonder how often that happens where a team plays the same name school twice in a season. Uh, I I. Can't imagine it's often. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, Tuscarora and Virginia. One year, somebody played them in some sport. Our teams have played them, but I don't know about football. I want to say maybe – I thought somebody did uh, play I, them in football. I'm sure it's happened. It just hasn't probably yeah. happened uh, a, a lot. So, no. But but it's interesting. And I, and I thought Baloo was, was the bear in the Jungle Book. I never heard of Baloo <laughs> High School out of D.C., but – uh, but not to disparage them at all. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Urbana scheduled them uh, for a, a reason. Um, Walkersville, they're, they're, they're going to be pretty good, I, I think. A lot of their team is back. Um, I don't think it's going to be the traditional Walkersville just power running game uh, offense. I, I, I think they're planning to throw the ball a lot more since they have three uh, experienced uh, receivers back and uh, Tristano uh, Manconi. Uh, Darius Eubank and also Wyatt uh, Gearhart is back. Uh, they, they they like their tight end. 
um, uh, too. Uh, they're, they're big along the offensive line. They'll, they'll still run the ball a good bit, but uh, I, I think their plan is to take advantage of their speed and their, their receiving core. Uh, their quarterback situation is interesting. It, it's been pretty much unsettled uh, for most of the preseason between Brad Dawson, uh, the starter last year, and uh, Gavin Hughes, uh, who was their starter two years ago. Uh, he transferred out of Walkersville to pursue his baseball career, wound up at Sherwood, uh, went, went winning a state title with Sherwood uh, uh, this past spring. But now he's back at Walkersville, and he's back in the quarterback mix. Uh, they're, they're, they're solid quarterbacks. Uh, uh, some, some might call them game managers, but, 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 they're, but, but they're both solid quarterbacks, um, and, and, and they have a chance to uh, propel uh, the offense. Got off to a real slow start last year. Um, over 0-3 uh, after week three against Ligonor, but they they bounced back to finish six and six, and uh, played Milford Mill, the 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 two, uh, the unbeaten two A champs, pretty competitively in their in in their uh, state quarterfinal. I think that game was like 20 to seven was the final score. So so it wasn't uh, it wasn't a total blowout. And and Walkersville, in, in fact, I think maybe could have had the lead at halftime in that game. I, I was told. Um, so uh, Walkersville will be one of our better teams. Uh, every coach is talking about them, so it'll be interesting to see how their season plays out. Uh, let's let's uh, give the private school some love. Uh, St. John's Catholic Prep, Alexander. Yeah, they they're definitely ahead of schedule, I guess, in their rebuild, if you will, because last year was Nate Mars' first season, and they went six and four, which is their first winning season since 2016. So. They definitely seem to be sort of on the up and up in their uh, in their in their uh, their three team MIAAC conference. So it's really going to be sort of you know can they because they play each of those teams. Uh, it's Severn and then Annapolis uh, Annapolis area Christian. Uh, they play each of them twice. So it's you know can they can they sort of put together a better a better year against them than they did last year? Because I mean three of their four losses were 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 in those games. So you know if they can get on top, then maybe you know, maybe they can sort of possibly move up to the B conference. And I mean, they, they, they seem to, you know, have, you know, everything's pretty stable and they seem to have the talent to do it. And, you know, they got a, um, kind of speaking of Walkersville, one of the, one of the running backs, uh, Zion and Temi, he transferred to St. John's for his senior year. So he's going to be a real threat out of the backfield. And then other uh, uh, junior quarterback, Shane Myers, he said he's significant. Last year was his first year starting. He's, much much more comfortable now this year than he was last year so they seem to at least on the offensive side be kind of be on the up and up and you know they were six and four last year I'd expect probably probably another winning season you know a TB, TBD on how how many wins but probably probably another above 500 year uh John MSD is always good uh the season got off to a bit of a tough start last week at Indiana yeah. School for the Deaf but but I I imagine that they'll they'll bounce back from that yeah I mean they got blown out by them um it wasn't so much that they lost it's just how they lost with like 60 to 24 um yeah when was the last time MSD gave up 60 points in a game wow I can't the, remember the, back the archives we were searching through yesterday did not turn up a definitive answer right. <laughs> uh, so if you had asked me a week ago I said that ah, they'll be fine you know they'll be their usual you know strong self I'm not so sure now. Um, and, you know, having seen them uh, take that loss, they lost a lot from last year. Uh, a lot of guys that have been there for for three or four years that really started for them got a couple key guys back, but they do have a lot of new players that they were working in, and uh, they they didn't make any secret of that, you know. And uh, coming into the season, so it might take a little while for them to get back to where they, you know, the, the strong team that we're used to seeing that doesn't it doesn't just win but blow people out. Now, to be fair, was their game against Indiana an 11-man game or an 8-man game? It was an 8-man game. Oh, That's okay. the thing. Okay. Last year, they lost one 8-man game. That was to um, um, uh, Permeon, yeah. who they ended up coming meeting again in the championship game in their Key State football, Keystone State Football League, and they beat them pretty handily. So, um yeah, they uh, they they had two losses last year. Their other one was a eleven man game to Severn. Now they had their only eleven man game, I believe, this week against the Virginia Spartans. Is yeah, it's it a homeschool team. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, we'll see how they do there. Uh, although, again, being eleven man, that may not tell us a whole lot. But yeah, yeah it could be an interesting year for them. Yeah. Uh, the entire season, fellas, outside of MSD, will be played on uh, artificial turf. Uh, so, so that'll be interesting. The weather might not be as big a factor uh, in game, which will help the scheduling because teams won't have to like necessarily go to another school to to, to get their game in. So that'll be interesting. Uh, but <clears throat> always one of the great times of year um, uh, with high school football starting, and now we have uh, the addition of. 
uh, girls flag football, which makes it even more intriguing. So thank you, fellas. And when we come back, we'll talk to the man uh, who hopes to win a state title this year, uh, a second state title uh, with his Oakdale Bears. We'll talk to Kurt Stein when we come back here on The Final Score. Kurt Stein is ready to start his 13th season as the head coach of the Oakdale football program. Started the program from scratch back in 2010, led the Bears to a state title in 2018 and a, another trip to the state final last season, and he joins us now on the podcast. Kurt, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Greg. Appreciate you having me on. Thankful for all the things you do for Frederick County football and look forward to getting going this fall. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of my favorite times of, of, of year uh, as well. Um, but how much do you guys talk about last year, Kurt? I mean, not that you guys are dwelling on it and, and, and haven't moved on, but, but how much do you use it sort of for fuel for what you're doing this year? Well, we, we talk about it quite a bit because we want to remind them that, you know, we didn't do enough. You know, obviously we're proud of the things that we did accomplish, but we still finished in second place. And, you know, second place is not our goal. So, you know, we, we, we do remind the kids that we're going to have to do more than we did last year if, if we want to accomplish our ultimate goal. And, you know, I do think it's motivating for them to to get that close and, and not get there as, as tough as that is. You know, we may be able to use that to our advantage. What do you think was missing last year? I mean, obviously you guys had a huge injury in the state title game with uh, the middle of your line and, and team captain and team leader Josh Crummett going down. Um, but what else was missing last year, do you think? I mean, really, if you look at that that game as a whole, there was just like three or four plays throughout the course of a game that we really felt like had a big impact on it. And, you know, those three or four plays went Damascus's way, not ours, because, you know, they made the plays and we didn't. So, you know, when you're in a game like that against an opponent like that, there's not really much margin for error. And we had a few errors, but, you know, we didn't score on the first drive despite having first and goal and some things like that. So, you know, we really, you know, we just had a couple, just a handful of plays here and there that we didn't make, and that was really the difference in that game. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of your kids are, are back from that team. Um, uh, most of your big horses, uh, your, your key players are uh, are back this season. Uh, how motivated do they look in practice, and do they really have that sour taste in their mouth right now? Yeah, I mean, I think we've had a great camp. You know, we really had a great summer. You know, we, we've been we've been at it. Oh, you know, really since January, but the summer was excellent. We went five days a week. We really got after it from a physical conditioning and strength standpoint. And then we also had the added advantage of this year of the new rule where we were able to have some summer practices. So I really think that summer practices um, got us jump started big time in camp, as well as, as you said, we have so many returning players. So we never did install the first two weeks of practice. We literally just went right into our group work and stuff like that, because all of the install was already in. I feel like it hit the ground running for us. And those guys that you mentioned, you know, they're bigger, faster, and stronger, and they're leading our team. And, you know, I think we're in good hands. I, I want to talk to you about uh, Hunter Thompson, uh, who was sort of a bit under the radar uh, at the start of the last season. Uh, he, I think he was your number two or number three receiver uh, the season before. Uh, but but he really came through uh, in some in some huge games uh, for you. you. You can't miss him on the field because he's so big, tall, and athletic. And I and I th- and now he's committed to go play football at the University of Ohio or Ohio University. Uh, just just talk about how far he's come in a year and, and just the player you think he's become. Well, you know, when he was a sophomore, we we knew that this was going to be the ceiling for him. He had all the potential. But as you said, we had Cam Dorner on the team. You know, Evan was still playing some receiver at that time. So, you know, we just we were crowded. And, you know, Cam was so good that he started for one of the best Division II programs in the country as a freshman. So, you know, that was just there was just a lot of good guys around him. But when he got the last year and especially with Evan goes to quarterback now, he's our true number one. And, you know, he he is one of the best all around receivers that we've ever had here, you know, when it, his route running and his understanding of the game and concept and concepts is really second to none. And by about halfway through the, the year, this year, who will have owned every receiving record in Oakdale history. He, uh, he broke all of the single season records last year and he's just a little shy of Bryce DeMalley on all, all of the career marks. And he's going to, 
he's going to put those away and then some by the middle of the season. So what I like about him is how smart he is when it comes to football and how much he's grown. And he's always coming to the sideline with me and Evan and talking about tweaking routes and changing concepts and things that we can do to help him get open. So, you know, I, I love the way he thinks and I like the way he goes about it. And like I said, he's going to go down statistically is the best one that we've ever had. I mean, he's got all the tools. He's got the size, the speed, the athleticism. Uh, he plays defense for you and does a nice job there. He had a pick six called back in the playoffs against Frederick High. On his, on and his, had, and had one, it had a pick six that counted against St. Charles the next week or two right, weeks later. I right. So, so he makes a huge impact on on, on defense as well. Uh, on his college decision, and I'm not trying to disparage Ohio University in any way, but, I mean, with another good season for Hunter, are we talking about, like, Power 5 offers co- coming you know, down the No, it's hard to say. Um, he, he committed – he had some bigger offers, if you will, than Ohio, but he always felt like the coaches that at Ohio were the ones that believed in him in most. They were on him early, you know, a little earlier than some of the other schools, and they stayed with him, and he just felt like that that particular staff – really believes in what he can do so you know that that's why he wanted to go there you know I'm sure you know I've been through this before when we get close to signing day a lot of people start kicking the tires and you know weird things happen but you know if I had a guess I think he's pretty firm on his commitment because you know he could have went other places already as well and he still decided to go with Ohio yeah I mean you you mentioned the big summer you guys had how how cool was it that one week where um, I think Hunter committed to Ohio. Evan Austin, your quarterback, committed to uh, UNC Charlotte, and and Dom wound up committing uh, to the University of Michigan. Uh, your your big defensive end. Just how cool was that to see though your your big three there um, sort of make their college choices within a short time span? Well, it was great on a lot lo- on a lot of levels. Like number one, we've never had that many FBS players in the same class before. You know, so to have all three of them committed like that and like you said all at the same time was great and also if i'm being 100 percent honest it was a great relief for our program you know that was a that's a stressful time and it's a fun time and it's an exciting time but it, you know it's a big decision for these guys to have to make and it's a lot of weight on their shoulders and they're being pulled in a lot of different directions you know so when they all kind of came to me and said there was time to go and they were good to go and they were done and they wanted to be done with it. It was awesome. We celebrated them. I'm so happy for them. And obviously their future is going to be bright, but also gave us a chance to kind of put that on the back burner. And now let's put everything downhill and focus towards this fall. We're all going to come together one more time and make a run at this thing. Yeah. Because now those guys don't have to squeeze in weekend college visits. I mean, they're not talking to coaches. I mean, I mean, they're free just to focus on Oakdale football uh, this fall. Um, exactly, which was a big relief for us. Yeah, I mean, w- with Evan, we we saw, we saw what he could do last year, Offensive uh, Player of the Year uh, in the county. He could run, he could throw. He's he's a big time dual threat. He's smart, a smart kid. Uh, sees the field well, reads the game well. Will his game look different this year? Will it look pretty much the same? Like, what can we expect from Evan this year? Well, I mean, I think the big thing people are going to notice is how well he's throwing the football. You know, he he always could throw the football, and you know, I think he gets kind of you know. Hemmed in as just a runner type guy, but he is a true dual threat and his passing is really elevated since last year. So I think that's the first thing people are going to notice is how well he's throwing the ball. And of course he's in great shape. You know, he's always taken that very seriously. So when he does tuck it and run, he'll still, he'll still do all those things. But, you know, Hunter for one is super excited because we're throwing the ball a lot more probably than we did last year, and he's throwing it well. So I think that's going to be the first thing that jumps out to people. How has he gotten better throwing? Were you in the lab with him at the QB factory, or just how, how has he improved there? Well, we've done a lot of work, but he, he puts in the time. You know, that's really – that's the best thing about Evan. He's like that with everything, is he's not scared of work. As a matter of fact, he kind of enjoys it. So he just – he threw a lot of balls this off season. And we kind of, we're trying to polish up his footwork a little bit and we don't want to take away his, you know, want and desire to get out of the pocket and move around and, and do those things and, and play a little off script because he's so good at that. But, you know, he's really cleaned up the way he's his platform and his feet when he's throwing and it's just causing him to be more accurate, you know? So he's really throwing the ball accurately right now. And uh, you know, he's put in the work for a good year. So we're excited to see what he can do. I mean, defenses uh, uh, that you play, they will, they know who he is. Obviously, they will have seen his tape and 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 what he's done in seasons past. 
I mean, they'll adjust to him. Is him throwing the ball more sort of your counter adjustment, your adjustment to their adjustment? <laughs> right. Well, if, I mean, if you kind of just think about what the two guys you've already talked about, right? No matter what you do defensively, you only have 11 guys on the field. So you can't really double team Hunter and play an extra guy in the box to defend Evan in the run, right? It, it, there's not enough people. So they're going to have to choose which one of those two things they want to do. And we're just trying to make sure that we have all the tools in our bag that whichever one they choose, we can make them pay the other way. Right. And uh, Dom might get out there too, is is uh, uh, a tight end, uh, six foot six, 250 pound. Uh, is he six five or six six? He's a six five two fifty at the moment, I believe. Okay, but but he'll get out there on 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 offense too. Yeah, absolutely. So what we've been doing is he lines up at receiver a little bit, like he did last year. But mainly, what we've been doing is to sub him in when we use a tight end. At least that's how we've handled it in camp so far, and it's doing two things for us. One, it gives us you know the best tight end in the area, obviously when he's in the game. But two, it's also allowing him to take a little bit of a breather when we're on offense, so he can be the dominant defensive player that he is right so we we don't want to burn him out but we when we use tight end sets he goes in there and in the two scrimmage games we've had in camp he's done a real nice job with that so we're excited about being able to you know throw him some balls and and keep him involved but he's also a devastating blocker in the run game which has been which has been a nice addition is dom the highest profile recruit that you've ever had yeah i mean you can't get much higher than Michigan, you know, I mean, you can go to other schools, I guess that you would call equal, but I mean, I don't think you can do anything really past that. You know, the two time big 10 champions been in the playoff the last two years. So we've had great players, you know, and I've had a fortune to coach some great players, but we've never had anybody at a high school go to a program that big. Now, obviously Collins at UCLA right now. So, you know, that's another program that's down that kind of level, but uh, we've never had one straight out of high school, go to one that big. What what are you expecting from Dom as a pass rusher? I mean, we're expecting him to be the best defensive player in, in the state of Maryland. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what we're expecting him to be. And he has the ability to do that. His good is, is as good as you're gonna see. And he's had a great camp and he's really flashed and done and done some really good things. But you know, if we truly want to be the team that we're talking about being, right? We're talking about we want to try to win every single game and win the state championship, right? Well, he's gonna have to be great for us to do that so you know that's what we're expecting out of him well he was in the playoffs and, and, and you guys won uh all of, all the big games in the playoffs except for that last one that, that you want to win uh this year uh your running back situation you lost uh rory blanchard uh who is invaluable for you last year as is both a running back and a kicker uh but you welcome back uh, daniel joseph uh who was hurt i believe in the third game last year suffered a severe rib and lung injury um can you just talk about daniel's road back and and the player you expect him to be this year yeah we're very excited you know daniel he's had a little bit of a tough road from the injury standpoint um you know he was one of maybe if not one of the if not the most dominant youth players that ever come through the oakdale youth system but um his freshman year happened to be that covid year where we tried to play in the spring and his first carry in that covid year he tore his acl but since that was in the spring, well, that cost him his sophomore season as well. And then junior year, as you said, third game, you know, he got hurt again. So he's been a guy that we've been waiting on a long time because his ability is through the roof. But unfortunately, up to this point, he just hasn't been healthy enough to, to do anything for us. So he's healthy right now. He looks great. He's had a really good August here. You know, pound for pound, he's one of the strongest kids that we've ever ever had in the program you know he only weighs about 180 pounds and he can bench 300 so i mean he is a strong athletic kid and we're just hoping to keep him healthy because we think if we do he could do some special things do you notice any hesitancy i mean when you're coming off a torn acl and when you get hit and puncture along uh with a fractured rib uh, i mean that sort of lingers in the back of your head do you notice any of that with uh, daniel at all no, he ran the ball great in our two scrimmage games. So I, I was kind of looking at those for the two tests because those are live contact, you know, for everybody but the quarterback. And he did well in both of them. So I, I think he's good to go. Right. Uh, as many uh, returners as you have coming back, uh, you have some inexperience along the offensive line, especially. Um, you lost two great kids there and Josh Crumman and Chase Hot. Uh, how are you guys looking uh, up front right now? 
Well, we're excited. They're really coming together. I mean, I think this week has been the best week they've had. You know, the, the big thing that we do have going is, is our right tackle, Taylor Kalskan. Despite only being a junior, he is a three-year starter. So he's been starting a tackle for us since his freshman year, and he is he is an excellent player, and he's doing a great job. And our man in the middle, Sean Tenna, he's a senior captain. He's taken over for Crummett. He's been Crummett's understudy for the last couple of years. He played in the state title game. When, when Josh was injured and he's kind of the leader of the bunch, getting everybody on the same page. And then basically right now we've got three guys that started on our JV offensive line, filling out the other spots. And we got a nice young sophomore who's real athletic behind them is kind of like our six man, if you will. And, you know, the beginning of camp, despite them having the ability, it, it was a struggle at times getting all the blocking assignments down and all the checks and all the calls. But as we've gone on every day, they're getting, and once they know who to block, they these guys can block. The guys we have are big and strong kids. It's just making sure they know exactly who to block, and I think we finally got that under control. And, and explain, like, the right tackle position is a little more of a premium on your line uh, with your current quarterback because Evan is a left-handed quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Taylor's only – he's playing the right because Evan's left-handed. It, it's not much more simple than that. If Evan was right-handed, Taylor would play on the left. Right. It's sort of what you did with Chase, obviously, last year. He would have been a left tackle, but but you need him a right tackle because you want Evan's blind side uh, protected. Um, is, is that where the big questions are? Just where, where you guys have to prove the most uh, along each line of scrimmage? And, and will kids go both ways uh, uh, there? Yeah, we actually have less kids going both ways than we ever have. Um, you know, that defensive line is going to have a rotation of kids, some of which do play offense. I mean, nobody's going to be really much more than a one and a half player. Hunter's the one guy that probably goes both ways the most, but we have plenty of guys to give him a break when he needs it. But he he wants to be out there and he wants to do it. And he's certainly in good enough shape to do so. And like I said, you know, Dom will highlight as a tight end. All of the defensive tackles will play a little bit of offense, but none of them will play the whole game on defense. So um, we are, we've been in many years where we've had a lot of guys playing every snap offense and defense, but really aside from Hunter, we don't really have anybody who's looking to do that at all. Right. In your position with as many returning players as you have, um, it would be easy to sort of take things for granted. Just assume things are going to go your way. You just roll the balls out, turn the lights on, and things will be fine. But but when I presented this to you uh, after practice one night, you laughed at me because you basically said, have you seen our schedule? Uh, which is not going to allow you to take much for granted. I mean, that's the thing. When you say, you know, what are we worried about? It's not offense or defensive line. It's just – fighting through 14 weeks of what we're going to have to fight through. And I think it's a great thing. And I'm, I'm not, as you know, from looking at our schedule every single year, I'm not someone who's ever been one of these coaches that dodges competition, right? We've never, we've never believed in that. We've never been that, but believe me, we have a tall task on our hands to try to find a way to play at our best for these 14 weeks, because the schedule is unyielding. And if we do have a bad night where we're off or we don't play with enthusiasm or we don't play with energy, or we just turn the ball over a few times, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to get beat. Right. So we're going to, we're going to try to make sure that the, the, my worry is like you said, is well, I'm just going to try to make sure we are as prepared as we possibly can be every Friday night did not have a letdown. Uh, it starts in week one with Milford Mill, uh, the unbeaten, I believe, were they 4A, 3A champs last year? Yeah, 2A. That's right, the unbeaten uh, 2A champs from last year. You're at their place in week one. Just uh, tell us about Milford Mill and what they sort of have coming back from that team uh, and, and just just starting there. I mean, it's, you couldn't ask for a tougher opener. Yeah, so, I mean, they're coached by a guy I know well, Reggie White. You know, he was a, a state champion player for them on an undefeated team in 1979. And then last year was the first time since then that they were undefeated and won the state champion. And he was, you know, he went from player to coach. Their quarterback, um, Deshaun Purdy, is a kid that I work with at the quarterback factory. He's a big, strong kid with a very powerful arm. He's also going to Charlotte. And, um, you know, he's a problem. He's about 6'3", 200 pounds, and he's got a cannon. There's not a throw that he can't make. And they just have speed all over. Their receivers and their running backs are very fast, and their defense is one of the faster defenses that I've ever seen on film. So they have they have everything it takes to be a state champion again, from what I can tell by watching the tape. So as you said, we are going to have our hands full now. You know, 
we think we're pretty good too. So we'll have to see how that goes. But that is that is a formidable test, especially right out of the gates. How did they land on your schedule? Just your relationship with uh, with Reggie and some of their people there, or? Yeah, I mean, when we end up playing a, a difficult team like this, it's pretty much always the same reason. Nobody around the state wants to play anybody that's any good unless they have to, if they're forced to by their conference schedule. You know, it's something that we've talked about a lot, you and I, that neither of us really understand. But the bottom line is nobody will play Milford Mill and nobody will play Oakdale. So Milford Mill and Oakdale end up playing each other. That's, you know, that's just sort of how that works. Uh, I mean, four years ago, it made sense when one loss could cripple your playoff chances. I mean, you guys have lost one game before and can't even get a home playoff game. Uh, so when it could knock you out of the playoffs, that made sense. But now, with everyone making the playoffs, it doesn't make sense not to schedule more difficult uh, games. I mean, I agree. I agree with you. Yeah, I know I'm preaching to the choir. That's one of the reasons yeah. we do it. I, just, I, don't, I don't really get it either, to be 100% honest with you. I don't get why we don't play North Hagerstown and South Hagerstown every year. I don't understand why the CMC is a conference for every sport that we have in Frederick and in Washington County, except for football. I mean, I understand why, because of what we just talked about. The football coaches don't want to play anybody, but it, it makes no sense to me. Like you said, you're in the playoffs no matter what, you know, so – you know, North and South Hagerstown might have to play us week 10 or week 11 anyway. So why not play us in the regular season? But, you know, that's that's just the reality that we're dealing right. with. Right. If if things don't go your way against Milford Mill, how do you think you and your kids will handle that, being 0-1? Well, we're not going to have any choice. We're going to have to pick ourselves up to the ground and, tr- and try to get better, you know. as you just As you just pointed out, even though we don't want to, you know, losing a game doesn't affect anything when it comes to the postseason you know we got beat twice last year we had two friday nights where we were not our best and we didn't deserve to win and we didn't win but we still were you know in a seven point game in the fourth quarter of the state championship so losing a game isn't going to do anything to you as far as that but you do have to try to get better and learn from it you know and a loss can affect you if you don't grow from it and you know if you you know if you don't do the things that you need to do to correct why you lost so hopefully that doesn't happen but if it will we're gonna have to get back to work on monday i'll ask you the flip side question what sort of springboard do you think it would be if you, if you were to win that game i mean not that you could not that the season's perfect and everything else is gonna just fall into place but what sort of springboard do you think it'll be to win that game well, I mean, if nothing, it should give the kids the confidence to know that, you know, we are good enough to do what we say that we're going to set out to do. It's just a matter if we're willing to do it for the next 13 weeks or not. But, yeah, if we beat a team as good as Milford Mill, it, it will be a justification that, you know, we can accomplish the kind of things that we want to accomplish. Right. And then you get Allegheny, a traditionally strong state power 1A school at Frederick, uh, Ligonor, um, at Middletown, TJ at Walkersville and Walkersville. Everyone's talking them up this year. Uh, then you close with Urbana and Tuscarora. So uh, no, no, not a lot of weeks off, uh, uh, like you say. Uh, I mean, you've, you've, you've been the guy, you've been the hard luck guy. Uh, you've, you've had one loss seasons and, and you can't get a home playoff game. You've had teams come into your region at the worst possible time. You've had teams leave your region at the worst possible time. Uh, but you feel you're maybe finally catching a break this year with Frederick uh, moving up to 4A, 3A, and Damascus, the, the reigning champs, moving down to, uh, I believe, 2A, 1A, or even 2A. Yeah, so, I mean, it it certainly does take two very high-quality teams out of our region, which, you know, it should help, right? You know, I I think the region's still excellent with Ligonor and Westminster and and Sherwood in there. I think, you know, the region's still very strong. I think 3A overall is very strong, but you never know how all that plays out now that we have the reseed in the third round and those kind of things. But, yeah, like, we've always had the toughest teams in the state, as you've mentioned, in our region – and this year we do have two of the best teams that were in our region last year. I guess they would have been the one and the two seed in our region last year, not in there anymore. So yeah, you would think that would help a little bit. What is your season going to boil down to? Do you think? Just if we can be at our best, everything, every single week for 14 weeks, I, I firmly believe our best is as good as you could, there can be. I think when we play at our best, what we're capable of with the talent that we have, we're going to be extremely hard for anybody to beat. So we got to find a way 
to to not slack off one of those weeks, to not have a down week, to not have a bad practice on a Tuesday afternoon. We got to sustain that energy and that excellence for 14 weeks. That that's what it's going to come down to for us. Because if we're playing at our best, we're going to be a handful for anybody. Uh, your 2018 state championship team is pretty tough to beat, but uh, is this team? Does it have a chance to be sort of in that class in that conversation? Well, if, if we get to that last that first week in December, you usually sit across from me when I have to go to the podium. So if we get there, you can ask that question again, and I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, Colin Schley, uh, the quarterback of that 2018 team, yeah, you know, it sounds like he's going to play at UCLA. He wasn't named the starter, but it sounds like he's going to be in the mix. Just what do you what do you think of his opportunity there now that they've kind of sort of made a QB decision? Yeah, so I mean, he's excited that he's going to at least be on the field in some capacity here on Saturday night. Um, I still firmly believe that once he's on the field, he's the best player. You know, I've I know I'm biased and that makes sense, but I've never really been around anybody like him. And I think that he's at his best when it's live and when it counts. So I'm really hopeful and excited for Saturday. I hope he gets a chance to have a couple drives in there and just really show who he is because he's a special, special dude. And I think when he gets out there and live bullets are flying and he makes a blitz or miss and he starts playing off script and doing all those things that you guys are so accustomed to seeing him do, I think he'll shine. So um, I'm excited for him. We've been talking quite a bit. You know, he battled some injuries and stuff like that, but he seems like he's rip-roaring ready to go now. So uh, I just hope he gets his opportunity and he does the things that he always does. Well, do you think they'll use him in ways outside just being the traditional quarterback? Because, I mean, people forget he was a receiver for you at Oakdale and and, and shined in that role uh, uh, pretty well for you. He's also a great basketball player. So you know his athleticism. Do you, can you see UCLA sort of – using him in non-traditional quarterback ways. I mean, it's possible. You never know. I haven't heard anything like that. And hey, don't forget, he even spent one game at Kent State as the punter when the punter got hurt. So Right. He's he a do-it-all kid. He can do it all. But the one thing I will say from uh, being a football coach and a student of the game and somebody who studied Chip Kelly a lot, uh, Colin's skill sets certainly fit into the type of quarterbacks that Chip Kelly likes to use. So I can see why they're excited to use him as a quarterback because I feel like his athleticism – is really the trademark of a lot of these great, great Chip Kelly quarterbacks that we've seen over the years. So, like I said, I hope, I hope he gets his chance. You know, if, if he's not the QB, like you said, will they do something else with him? I don't know. But, um, you know, we're, we're excited to watch him play. Uh, a new varsity sport is starting in Frederick County. What do you make of girls' flag football? Hey, it's great. I love sports in general. I love all sports. So, uh, you know, if you have an opportunity, and I guess my biggest thing with a sport always is if there's – I don't know if you want to call it the need, but if there's interest, right? Well, every every high school was able to fill a full roster, and a lot of them have two teams from what I understand. So there must have been an interest for all of these girls to try out for flag football. So I think that's great. They're going to play uh, double headers. Uh, I think they have a play date here tomorrow. You have Frederick High, but then after that, they're going to play on Wednesdays before the JV team. So, um, so I'll get to see a lot of it, I hope. And, you know, I'm just excited for the girls, any opportunity for kids to get outside and exercise and play sports. I'm all for, uh, you don't have a daughter, right? Uh, you just have boys, right? Yeah. I have a 10 year old and a six year old boy. They, okay. both, they both play football for Oakdale youth. Okay. Uh, but, but I, th- I think the Oakdale girls, uh, they, they, they were, I mean, they always have uh, good athletics, uh, on the girls side at Oakdale, but I think their football program, the flag football program had a pretty good summer and, 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 uh, won won a tournament or something like that so they should be among the the strongest teams in the county so uh, yeah i mean i would expect i mean traditionally we our school's been excellent at all of our girls sports we we're really good on that on you know multiple state champions and a lot of them so you know i would expect this probably to be pretty good i don't know anything about it yet i haven't seen him play or anything like that i do know uh coach dunn's son is coaching the team he was a great player at urbana he played college football at stevenson so they're they're definitely coached by a guy that knows football, so you know I think they're in good hands, and my guess is they'll probably be pretty good. How, how did they not rope you into helping and coaching at all? Because you have so much free time on your hands. Uh, yeah, I, I know. Coach, I, I know that. Coaching the high school team, coaching the youth teams. You know, I got I got tons of free time. My my wife would love that. She's already wearing seven hundred eighty five hats around the house all fall, doing absolutely everything like Superwoman. I'm sure she'd love if I just pick up flag football on top of it too. Yeah, but 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 I know she loves being a football wife uh, uh, too. She's the number one football wife. Coach Crevis always called her the first lady of Oakdale football, and yeah, that could that couldn't be more true. I know you see her every Friday night 
slugging the kids around with all of her gear on and cheering. You know, she's she's our biggest fan, and believe me, there is no Oakdale football without her. Uh, you you lucked out, Kurt, because not every not everyone would put up with this uh, nonsense that that uh, that we get up to as a sports writer and and a coach uh, during fall Fridays. So, uh, what what are you looking forward to the most about the season? I'm just excited. There's just nothing like it, and especially for me at Oakdale, you know, the full journey of what Oakdale is and has become. And like you said, what those 14 years have meant. And when I always try to take a moment on Friday, usually right around the national anthem, to just take a look around and see the thousands of people that come out and support us and how, how great it is. And to think that, you know, where we started to where we are, I mean, it's a special, special place. And I'm just so blessed and fortunate to be a part of it. And, you know, I'm just so happy the way all of it's turned out, you know, so from 2010 to now is a big difference. And I know we talked about this a little bit last year, but it's amazing. And my kids are a part of it. And my wife is a part of it, like you said. And we literally have an entire community that rallies around football. When I go to those youth practice, we have 330 kids out there playing youth football for us. And so it's special and it's amazing. And I'm just you know, I'm proud to be a part of it, and I'm, I'm trying to give the community something they can be proud of every Friday night. Right. Well, we're going to close on that note because we are running a little short on uh, Zoom time here. But, Kurt, uh, thanks for doing this as always. Uh, look forward to um, uh, the season starting. Uh, wish you and your boys uh, well, and then and, and look forward to seeing if you guys can make another deep run this year. Thanks, Greg, for having me on. We appreciate everything you do, my man. Uh, appreciate it, sir. Uh, my thanks to uh, producer Graham Cullen uh, for uh, pr- uh, putting together the podcast every week, uh, to John Cannon and Alexander Dacey, my colleagues here at the FNP, for uh, talking football and, and, and previewing the upcoming season, and for all of you for listening. Uh, check us out uh, next week. We'll, we'll have another episode uh, recapping week one and, and all the exciting fall sports uh, coming down the pike over the next several weeks. My thanks again to Kurt Stein, and thanks to all of you. Have a great week, everyone, and thanks for listening to The Final Score.